Hello, welcome to Two Dads Named Grant, the podcast where two dads named Grant try to figure out how to be better dads. I'm Grant Vickery here with my good friend, Grant Overman. This week's topic is toxic masculinity, which at times can get a little rough when we're discussing it. So here's a quick trigger warning, and if you're with kids, it's probably a good idea to skip this one. This is the philosophy from one of the Columbine shooters, Eric Harris. My belief is that if I say something, it goes. I am the law. If you don't like it, you die. If I don't like you, or I don't like what you want me to do, you die. If I do something incorrect, oh effing well, you die. Dead people can't do many things like argue, whine, some other words that I won't say on the podcast, Complain, narc, rat out, criticize, or even effing talk. So that's the only way to solve arguments with all you F-heads out there. I just kill. God, I can't wait till they can kill you people. I'll just go to some downtown area in some big A city and blow up and shoot everything I can. Feel no remorse, no sense of shame. Ick, sage, f you. I will rig up explosive all, all over a town and detonate each one of them at will after I mow down a whole effing area full of you snotty a rich mother effing high strung godlike attitude having worthless pieces of s whores I don't care if I live or die in the shootout all I want to do is kill and injure as many of you people will substitute as I can especially a few people like Brooks Brown America, love it or leave it, mother effers, all you racist, and if you think I'm a hypocrite, come here so I can kill you, mother effing a-holds in America who burn our flags and disgrace my land, get out. So that's a sample, um, and I think that's probably a sample that we would agree would qualify as toxic masculinity. Yeah, I, absolutely. The, the most toxic. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get much more toxic than that. Yeah, so, so when I... When I read this, and, and I looked it up specifically for this podcast when we said we were going to talk about toxic masculinity, um, I did not expect to find, I, I don't know what I expected to find, but it wasn't quite this, you know? Sure. Um, so I, my first question surrounding this is when, when I was reading through that really quickly, what kind of person were you imagining? Because how old, how old was he when, um, when he committed the Columbine shooting, when he killed I mean, he's his He's a high school peers? student, so he wasn't older right. than 18, right? Yeah, so, uh, um, so let's assume somewhere like 16 to 18, somewhere in there, right? So right. you meet a 16 to 18-year-old kid with this attitude. And right, not everybody who would write stuff like this would go and do that. But like, what are you thinking about them? Like, what do you say? I mean, I, the person is deeply troubled, right? Um, and they clearly, I would say also, just have like an overflowing of emotion, feelings, hurt, you know, personal pain and tragedy, something like that, that they don't know yeah. where to place. And so they've, rather than blame even specific people, although I know he called out one name there, it, it's everyone, right? The fault and the problem is yes. everywhere other than my own. So you don't even have, like, it was this person or this time. It's, I hate everyone. Like, that's just, you've got so yeah. much and you don't know what to do with it, right? You have nowhere good to put it, and it comes out in violence and, you know, hate. Right. And I think that's something that we do need to communicate very clearly when we're talking about toxic masculinity, because when I, I did some reading, I read a couple of articles. And one of the things that really bothered me about all of this is that because people who are 
toxically masculine. I don't know how <laughs> sure toxic males, right? Whatever these yeah. group of people is, because they often do things that are really terrible. Then the, I think that any sympathy for them is treated as sort of sympathy for their actions as well. And that's not what we're saying at all. But we are saying that this does not arise in a vacuum, right? Sure. Toxic masculinity doesn't arise in a vacuum. It's from a place of hurt and pain, and that's no good. And that actually needs to be addressed broadly because for everybody who does something really terrible, there's a whole host of other people who feel the same way, who either have the potential for doing something terrible or are themselves miserable and feeling, you know, awful. Yeah. And and that's something that we should, like, we should be concerned about that. That's a widespread mental health issue. Sure, I guess. And, you know, if, just, they might be the most extreme example of that or the few that take that kind of action, but plenty of other people harm themselves, right, like yeah. in their own lives yeah. or serially harming themselves some way lower than that or just have terrible relationships and their, and their lives are m- miserable, but they haven't uh, gotten to that point yet. Not to say they necessarily will, you know. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go right, but they can that, be right? bad but, to their families and sure. to their parents and to their loved ones and the people around them, right? This is a, 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 I would say, at least a national, if not international, mental health issue. Oh, yeah, and I mean, it has far-reaching effects. I mean, bad parenting, fatherlessness, um, all these kind of, any kind of societal issue, right? It doesn't have to be a devastating individual tragedy to have far-reaching effects that is, on society, yes, right? exactly right. Um, at the risk of sounding like, oh, you know, the degradation of our morals, morals are ruining this country. Like, I mean, that might be true. We might arrive at that conclusion. I don't know. But I realize that that's kind of a cliche that I sort of want to avoid. I might say the degradation of these specific morals has led yeah, to something. Well, right? let's, let's talk about what these specific morals are. So when I was reading through this, what question or what parts of this seemed specifically male to you? Because it's obvious what parts seemed specifically toxic right the whole it's all about hatred but it's not called toxicity it's called toxic masculinity so right. what parts of this seemed male to you i and that's that's a leading question because i have a handful of things in mind but sure. i'm just curious if well, anything I mean, stuck I'm, out to you we picked it for a reason right and i, I think that yeah. the desire to take action into one's own hands you know and and mm-hmm. and viewing that your own course as right, not that men are the only people who ever think they're right about anything, but just this idea of like actions speak louder than words. I'm tired of talking. I want to go out there and make something happen. I'm going to impose my view and my will upon you in a yes. dominating fashion. I think that is definitely male. And I think we kind of in the previous episode talked a little bit about like when we were talking about our idea of what is masculine, like like being a leader and setting the tone and setting the example, like that kind of like being in front, that's a, that's a form of that, right? And so when I say mm-hmm. male in general, just that desire to shape the world into what you think it should be from yes. what it is currently is and a I, masculine I would, trait. I would, yes. In, yes, in kind of a, comp, a, a competition way, right? Like, like you won't do it. I can't Often, convince you. Yes. So I have to make you in some way. Right. We are opposed, you know? So I, well, I yeah, and, that. And I would we say. should... We should acknowledge that the behind all laws is ultimately the threat of violence, right? Sure. This is like the, definitely the reason that you you don't speed at the end of the day is because if you do and you try to not follow the rules about consequences for speeding, ultimately they will remove your freedom and place you in a confined box and take everything you own. Sure. And if you don't let them right, do that, they'll shoot you. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, yes. Or or if you happen to have the wrong color skin and it's the wrong cop. This is um, true as well. Uh, so this is, this is, a uh, the threat of violence, the Levi, the Leviathan, if, if you will, is, is present. And that is 
we're saying masculine, but again, not specifically male. For me, it was this I am the law, which is the very beginning, it goes hand in hand with this. And and I think that um, like Hammurabi, like the code of Hammurabi, right, is this, that's what a, a good king should be, right? Is right. someone who hands down rules. Yes. And so where, where do rules come from? Uh, mythically, um, and I'm not saying that as a commentary on religion, I'm saying this broadly as the category of literature from which we religiously de- derive ro- laws. Um, it's handed from a god to a human being to then be conveyed to the other human beings, right? This right. is the pattern that plays itself out over and over and over again, is that some people are are given laws by God. And, and that is the deific act, is giving laws. And so to claim I am the law is it's a statement of of godhood essentially right sure it's 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 a it's a very unpious statement or or what's the word i'm looking for blasphemous sure Um, yeah it's a it's a blasphemous statement because culturally and historically it's a statement of i'm a deity um so i find it i find it odd or ironic that he says that he accuses people of having a godlike attitude and i'm not sure if and the the joke here is right that I'm an English teacher, so reading into things is in the job description like too much, right? That's kind of what I do. Um, you know, it's the cigar is never just a cigar, um, never. <laughs> but in in this case, I I do wonder if he's angry at them partially because he feels that they have assumed a position that should be for him, as opposed to um, he's not actually angry at their arrogance. He's yeah. angry at their usurpation of a throne that he believes should exist for him. And this also reminds me a lot of Nietzsche, right? Um, Which Nietzsche was used by the Nazis as well. And and this is a misapplication of Nietzsche, right? I'm not saying that this is actual, that he advocated for any of these things. The man once threw himself between a horse and a man who was beating a horse so that he could take the beating instead. So when people are like Nietzsche, he was pro-violence against people you don't like. Like, no, he wasn't right. You you (laughs) have poor reading comprehension. But I think he predicted this problem in many ways. Um, if God does not hold the position of God culturally, and and that's not even a religious statement, that's a, a cultural statement, um, then who does? And in the absence of an effective narrative for justifying or for organizing your hierarchies, then I think it sometimes you can get this very toxic version of masculinity that says, okay, then I'm, I'm at the top and I can do that because violence. Right. So if I'm hearing you right, the, the masculine part of it, toxic or otherwise is assuming a position of authority, right? That's like the masculine, either desiring a position of authority or assuming it, right? So you hear the masculine part of that. And then the toxic part would be that he's assuming this kind of ultimate authority and then being mad when other people want to do it the same well, and way. I, I would say, at the I same would time. say, yeah, masculine part of it is authoritative. And, and to be so careful, not because I'm saying that men should be in charge over women or that women can't be in charge. Um, but yes, I would call that stereotypically masculine or narratively masculine. And the toxic sure. part of it is that it's unearned, right? Um, if I'm in the wilderness with Bear Grylls, I'm doing what he tells me to, right? Um, he's in charge. And that authority comes from his deep knowledge of survival, right? It's, yeah, it's related absolutely. to his knowledge and to his competence. Whereas in this case, he's saying that if I say something, it goes. And, and here's the particularly toxic part of it is if I do something incorrect, oh effing well. 
right? It's not even. It's not even. <laughs> yeah, about, that that stands out being even right. among the violence. Yeah, it's it's about it's just me. That's it. It's this. It's almost solipsistic, right? It's almost in this. I am all that matters or all that exists. It's so arrogant. It's sure. terrifying. Like this is this is terrifying well, to me. I think that's a great jumping off to kind of broaden it into larger toxic. I mean, this is probably, at least in this sphere, if we're talking violence or what, you know, that part of it, this is probably the clearest example of toxic masculinity just because many of the mass shooters otherwise have been kind of looked at it and be like, look, this, this whole messed up version of masculinity, right, is a common theme in a lot of these yeah. people that commit yeah, these kind of is. acts, right? And so I think that's the quintessential example, right? Because it was kind of, it might not have been the first, it was the first that maybe we all remember had this much national attention happened in a modern news era, yeah. right? Yeah. But the thing that I think is the good launching point often to that other is that idea of, um, you know, my, it's all about me as the individual, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't, you know, me being right, me being in the authority is the most important thing. And that's a toxic version of that because the flip side, like the good part of it, right? The uh, the desire to protect or the desire to lead or the desire to set things right is obviously very good if you're doing it in the service of other people, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, if you're doing it to benefit others other than just yourself or with somebody else in mind. I mean, and I'm talking, you know, broadly there, obviously you could be misguided and do something with good intentions or whatever. But right. that's a noble um aspect or trait we would say that anyone could have um and it tends to kind of be in a lot of our masculine tales and narratives like this is a good thing you know like king arthur i think is like the example of you know the dude was a king he had a sword yes, he fought battles table right was but he round. was setting things right thinking about yeah exactly but there there was a he was not the sole authority of everything it wasn't about me and my personal gain and glory and so to me we talk about toxic masculinity it's using whatever influence or power you have and seeking it solely for your own personal gain and glory and i think that that's the difference. If we're going to talk about yes. what toxic masculinity is and why it's and why the narratives we have that are toxic are toxic, it is because it has lost something essential along the way, and we're left with a bad or decrepit or dangerous and malicious version of something else, right? Because a lot of virtues have yes, a flip side. Do. Like you can be generous, or you can be greedy, right? You can be um, patient, or you can be well, impatient. And, and <laughs> you, you know, don't even have to go like to that, the opposite so. of those virtues, right? You can be patient, and you can be a doormat, right? Um, or you, sure. you can be generous and you can be irresponsible with your money to the point where it harms your family, right? Like, so they do have, they have their opposites, but they also have positive and negative versions of themselves. So the, like, let's, let's imagine someone that had this same kind of Eric Harris's vitriolic, um, feelings, but towards something like injustice, right? Or, or, um, you know, hunger, you know, he, he was, he was yeah, passionately right. against he felt this deeply about something that was not oriented towards himself being greater, right? Which would require a lack of ego that clearly he doesn't have for whatever reason. But I do, I do think, sure. that, yeah, we can we can pivot from this as the archetypical archetypal taste case of of toxic masculinity because I know we also wanted to talk a little bit about Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too movement, and I think it's yeah. going to take some explaining to say how those two things are related. Because in one case, you're shooting up a school, and in the other case, you are using your position of power to coerce women into sexual acts that they are not willing participants in. Not the same thing. Um, right. But, but both, both bad. Both bad. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, so is is calling a grilled cheese with meat on it a grilled cheese as opposed to a melt, right? So 
I think we need to qualify specifically what how how are these things both under the umbrella of toxic masculinity? I suppose is is my next question. Right. That's true. You know, it's even worse than calling a grilled cheese the wrong thing is being super pedantic about what you call your sandwiches. I think that you know, if we're if we're building a hierarchy of sins, then I know where I would put those two. In I'm sure that to you each do. Other. I'm sure that you do. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like you said, that's a very good example of one type. There are obviously multiple types, and I think that they there's a meta narrative, like we talked about last time, above even those narratives of physical violence or power seeking, and also you know sexual violence or aggressiveness or some other kind of examples. But I, yeah, the the deal with the Harvey Weinstein thing is that idea of moving so far from you're just wanting a sexual encounter with a woman or pursuing a woman or something like that to now it's like I the only thing that matters is my desires and not that you're like a selfish lover because it's a different kind of mistake <laughs> right guess, right that's not you're what we're not saying Joey we're accusing, it, it's much worse yeah you're, you yeah it's not that I only care about my my needs in the moment and I don't care if you had a good time it's like I don't care if you even want to and I'm going to put you in an impossible situation where if you don't do what I want then I can harm you and I think in the way that it's similar to um Eric Harris's whole rant is that he says, if you don't do what I want, you won't listen to me and you won't do it my way, then I will just kill you because then you can't argue with me. And for Harvey Weinstein, it says, well, I have the power to ruin your whole career and dash all your dreams. So your hope is either give up the thing that's so important in your identity and that you really, really want or do something, you know, unspeakable that you don't want to sure. do. Sure. Right. Like, sure. I mean, you know, I'm, again, I'm using my power to put to take away your ability to choose or not go the way that I want you to go. Um which is super messed up on so many levels, right? But it's it comes from, and the reason I think it's male is it comes from that idea of the man or the father or whoever as the figure of, you know, I'm setting the limits, I'm setting the boundaries. If you don't do this, there will be consequences, right? Like everybody's dad was like, if you do that one more time, right, you're going to be grounded. Okay, I don't. Or you're going to get a spanking depending on where you are. Is necessarily specifically male. I would. No, I would I'm not say saying that, but I'm saying that's a version of this, right? That idea of putting you know a you have a choice but there's a clear consequence to one choice so that that that's a good like there are consequences to thing and outlining them for people is a not exclusively fatherly role but a fatherly role i I guess okay and this is that's how i see it as as the as the male part of the toxicity in his behavior okay so but talk about what you see because obviously it's different um coercion as a gender neutral trait i see physical coercion as a male trait and i see social coercion as a female trait and speaking not not let me let me rephrase physical coercion is a masculine trait not a male trait and Mm. and social coercion is a feminine trait not a female trait to differentiate those um so i don't see i don't see that it's coercive as the as necessarily the senior and i'm going to say something that I, i might regret saying um but that's fine. We'll we'll all find it hard to get <laughs> you, probably. Um, in terms <laughs> of the actions that these two people, Eric Harris and Harvey Weinstein, engaged in, Eric Harris's action is is unequivocally worse. It's it's a it is the morally worse action. But I would actually argue that I think his moral outlook was better than Harvey Weinstein's, um, which. Or, or less bad, I think, is, is the appropriate way of saying it. And I'm not saying that Eric, what Eric Harris did is is less than what Harvey Weinstein did. Harvey Weinstein is terrible, 
but in that hierarchy of badness, right? Harvey Weinstein is is not the pedant here. Um, well, uh, yeah, sure, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, either way, though, it's a like the, they're both and, bad, but, right? Yeah, I but mean, let me explain worse. why because I think that the the okay. issue that Eric Harris is writing about here, and clearly this is like a pained, troubled, struggling youth, right? And so the the issue is that he does not part of it anyway is he doesn't have a way of getting people to listen to him and he doesn't care that they disagree with him or I, it's not even that he doesn't care because he's writing a lot about their disagreement i think that he is upset by their disagreement right um the the issue for harvey weinstein is that i don't think he sees their disagreement i think harvey weinstein is fully dehumanized his victims basically um, whereas Eric Harris wants to kill them to remove them, I don't think it would even occur to Harvey Weinstein to kill anyone because they're not individuals to him, right? How how do you obtain consent sure. from an object? You don't, right? Harvey Weinstein has fully objectified these people. So where, whereas Eric Harris is saying, I don't care about your opinions and I will kill you to get rid of them, what Harvey Weinstein is saying is, in my mind, you don't have opinions because you're an object. Um, and the only way that you're relevant to me is as an object. That's, that's kind oh, of how okay. I, that's, that's kind of how I break it down. So I see Harvey Weinstein as a realized nonviolent Eric Harris. Okay. So both toxic masculinity then in that they, are you saying it's a similar form or are you saying yeah, that? I'm saying it's very, I'm saying it's very similar. Guess... I'm saying Harvey Weinstein is farther along, but his coping okay. mechanism was different. Uh, okay, see, because for me, I think, to maybe explain it a little better, I see a little different part of it. I mean, there's obviously the sexual aspect, and I think that's a different thing we could talk about, is the idea that typically, not everyone, obviously, but typically we see men with larger or more voracious, whatever word you want to use for it, like sexual appetites, sure. you know, or just the way they approach um, sexual encounters tends to be one way, right? And then if you go to an extreme with that where it's, you know, no obstacle, including the willingness of the person I want to engage this in this with is an obstacle. There's, you know, there's one version of it. And so I guess you could say the male part of it is that um, it, it's obviously not male or female to desire sex because otherwise where would our species, why would we, we would exist? Not, yeah. But, you know, that, that um, placing it on that kind of pedestal Maybe the placing on a pedestal in itself is the toxic part. It's not even the male part. But I think that idea of authority. So father is an example of male authority, right? Like kind of the quintessential example of male authority, right? And if part of your job typically in most of our cultural narratives as the father is to, you know, outline your behavior and guide it in a certain way. And so that's a male thing to say, I'm going to direct your behavior um, in a way, and for Harvey Weinstein, it says whatever that I want. So I see. Then I agree with you. Then that's the similar similarity to Eric Harris, because my way or nothing else. It is the only way. And so for him, it's a the toxic part is the perversion of that idea of some behavior is acceptable and some behavior is not. And so I'm going to come to you and say you must do this if you want this other thing. And if you have a dad, then you're like if you want to get your allowance, then you must right. do your chores. Like that. And Harvey Weinstein's like the insanely perverse and horrible and toxic version of that, where it's like, well, of course you have to do something to get something. Yeah. And it's going to be not something that's good for you to do because it's good to learn to do your chores and to work hard for what you earn. It's something that is good for me. And then I get, you know, my personal pleasures out of it. And you just, I, you know, and then like you said, they don't, he doesn't consider their part of the equation at all. And 
back to what we were talking about with Harris too, that idea of including more people in it than just yourself. The singularity and the disregard for others is the toxic part in both their behaviors. So, I, you know, I, I, when we started talking about that, I wouldn't have thought they were as linked as they were. Yeah, but I, now, I do. I do think it's you've I, convinced me. They're yeah, very I, similar. I think that I do think they're very similar. <laughs> and if we're talking about whether or not the issue is removing someone via violence or gaining, um, or, or no, that's not the right, right way to say that. The right way to say that is whether the issue is ascending the hierarchy via violence. Like what you want is power and you're going to gain it via violence or what you want is sex and you're going to gain it via coercion, right? Which is a threat of violence, kind of like we were talking about before, like ultimately, it's right? That's a metaphorical threat of violence. I don't, did Harvey Weinstein actually threaten? I don't know enough about it. Didn't, did he actually threaten violence? I don't think he did. And I think his his professional status above these women was obviously a big and kind of the most prominent yes, part of it. He's, he had but, a position of power, but I don't I, – I, I only use the th- word violence I think to talk that about physical violence. Yeah, I get what you're going with the metaphorical violence. I would assume that in this moment, there's also the threat of physical violence too, implied at least a little bit, right? Because it's like, well, what are you going to do if I? I mean, there's just the fear. So maybe it was only implied. Because of the implication. Yeah. But um, yeah, and, and it could just be implied because he's a man and he's a woman, and, there, and yeah. you know, men tend to yeah. be bigger, and you know, all that kind of normal stuff you have. Right, and there, there is the, theoretically yes. any inter- interaction, yes. you know. Um, so I, it potentially there, absolutely, I would say. I don't, I don't know that it's there, mm-hmm. and I don't want to assume that it's there if it's not necessarily no, but, but the main be. threat is that you will lose yes. your job and i will but use my power, power over you in this situation using power to, to coerce so you. both yeah. of them are using power in an inappropriate way to get something they want but there there are there are avenues for achieving those goals right there are avenues for being respected if you're eric harris there are avenues for people listening to you there are even avenues for making laws right but there are barriers in between you and those avenues, just like there are avenues to having sex, but there were barriers, namely, you know, achieving consent um, uh, between you and those goals, right? And so I think that what's so toxic about this is they dislike the barriers, and so they seek ways to remove the barriers to achieve their goals. Um, And I do want to, just because we we could go on for like a thousand years about this because it's super interesting, but there's one more example of a group of people that I think exhibit this and this is a widespread group as opposed to specific individuals so we'll be talking more generally but the incel group or the the MGTOW the men going their own way if you're familiar with yeah involuntary yes, celibate yeah, right incel is involuntarily incel, celibate yeah. right so these these are people who desire sex um i and i i i would argue that they desire a relationship i don't think they articulate that or communicate that but i think that they do um yes i would agree uh and they they don't know how to get it or they can't get that. And so their celibacy is involuntary as opposed to a Catholic priest whose celibacy is voluntary and hopefully is celibate as an aside. But uh, yeah, right. For all sorts of reasons. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so this is this is the third group that we really wanted to talk about tonight. So so when I say incel, what comes to mind to you? What do you think of as an incel? Like or, or what, is, what are the definitive traits of the incel? Um, I, the definitive trait of the incel is similar to Eric Harris, the lashing out, There's a lot of anger, right? Yes. The, the anger. Yeah. Just the fe- the overwhelming of feelings. I also tend to think of somebody that's similar. The problem is with everybody else other than me. Yes. Um, just cause we've been draw, we draw, drew similarities between the first two. And so now I'm thinking about similarities with this two as well. And then that the other thing is the wanting people to do things my way or take certain actions my way. Um, and they will not, and that makes me angry, and therefore 
I wish that I had some sort of ability to force them to, right? Because that's a typical incel thing. Is like we should have, um, and if you're not familiar with this, I might even suggest not familiarizing yourself by looking <laughs> yeah, these people up on the terrible. internet. It's terrible, yeah. But it, it, a common theme in their kind of internet message boards and threads and conversations is there should be some sort of government-sanctioned or even just societal, like, forced sexual contact for all men like men deserve it like we, we it is our inalienable right like we we exist therefore we should have this and someone or, should make or it is a need it and i in uh, or a need yeah, that's a better idea yeah it is a physical a, a, need yes yeah that, it, that it's a need and I, many of them talk about supporting um not to defend incels but not necessarily um like forcing women into sexual service but allowing women to or, or legalizing sex work right um, sure. That, that's a, that's another avenue. Not not everyone who is an incel wants the government to like genetically engineer cat girls to give them. Right? It's not all. This is <laughs> this is true. That yes, that's it, true. It's not all. It's not all that. Not not to undersell the extreme problems with the incel community. Right? Um, well, sure. We could have a whole other discussion about the morality and whether or not. Both the morality and should it be legal, uh, uh, you know, talking about sex work anyways. Yes, I think that's, that's a se- We want to talk about toxic masculinity. That's a issue. Desiring being able to pay for sex might fall under that umbrella. Yes, that is, yes. It, it, it's, a very, it's a very separate issue. And we don't have to – luckily for us, we don't have to talk about it right now. But, but that is one <laughs> of the things that some incels advocate for. But the idea basically is that there's a traditional means of achieving a sexual partner, right? Um, right. And – well, not even a traditional means. There's a whole set of ways that you can gain a sexual partner. And of these set of ways, they're saying they don't have access to those for whatever reason. So they want another way, which is financial, right? Work enough hours at Kmart and you can buy a sexual partner for the night, right? Or yeah. or the, the reason that you don't have a sexual partner is because something is wrong with women. Um, yes, that's yeah. a big one too. Yeah, I would say maybe... At that, that's the their desire is the biggest defining characteristic and the second defining characteristic of it is that the blame lies mostly with women some might say society but they really mean women i think they some they might blame other more sexually successful or active men than themselves they as well a little bit chat. but ultimately yeah. it's women yeah uh, kind of but that's more of like that jealous like i wish yes, i was him do. hate whereas the other person is the you are a B word because you only choose this kind of person. And, and I'm not one of those kind of persons. So it's clearly the wrong choice. You know, right. <laughs> if you're not choosing right. me. And this so. is, this is also the, the nice guy mentality, right? Why? I don't know why she dates him. Yes. I'm such a nice guy as, as though friendship and kindness were the guarantee of sexual partnership. Right. Right. Women are obligated to be in a sexual relationship with you. If you treat them like human beings. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's that's very messed it, up. It yes. is okay, and so I think I think we can see a, commonly across these three examples of of Harvey Weinstein and Eric Harris and his cohort. I can't remember the guy's name right now. Oh, what is it? Um, it's going to drive me nuts. Now I have to look it up. Uh, Dylan Dylan Klebold. Please do. Um, yeah. So that's that's the other one. Uh, uh, so their writings and, and Eric Harris's writings specifically, and also this group of incels. That one of the things I think we can say is common, not necessarily the only thing or even the defining characteristic, but a common characteristic of toxic masculinity is you have a desire for which the traditional 
means of achieving that desire or of satisfying that desire are unavailable to you. And so you use a non-traditional means, the most general terms, of achieving that desire. So for Eric Harris, he wants authority, power, and recognition. And since people won't give that to him because of things he's done, he will achieve it via violence. For Harvey Weinstein, he wants a sexual partner. And since people will not give that to him voluntarily, he coerces them with his massive amounts of wealth and, and power. And for the incels, because they cannot get sexual partners for any number of reasons, they assume that the problem lies in society and society should change in order to suit their sexual desires. Um, there's, a, right. there's a way of achieving things and they don't want to achieve that, which does make this all seem relatively transactional, or I'm framing it in transactional language. Um, and I, I actually, is that a problem to frame this transactionally like that? Am I am I doing a disservice um, to everything I- here? I was thinking about. I don't think think so. I think there's, and you tell me if you think I'm quibbling. I think there's a, another layer to this that is also the idea that I am, or depending on the specific example, maybe I'm unwilling to do these other things. Yes. Um, to achieve what I want. I, I'm thinking specifically of the Harvey Weinstein, right? Because it's like, it, you know, it's perfectly reasonable to assume he would have been capable of. Finding a willing right, a fantastically wealthy, time or the effort or whatever, widely known public figure should be able to find a sexual partner. Yes, right. You know, and 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 so I think there's, and even with you know Harris and the incels too, it's like okay, and and the reason I say that is because the way that we were talking about it before, where it's like okay, they're unable to. Well, in some situations they might be unable to for Un- whatever reason, or it's very unlikely. Language though. Yeah, I would say I'm willing, and 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 your goals might be too lofty or something like that. You know, again, Eric Harris wanted everybody to agree with him and to recognize him as the best, you know, and most important, and give him shower him with recognition. It's like, well, you know, you kind of have to do something to earn that. Um, so maybe you were unable in that you couldn't be in high school a star athlete or whatever. You probably could be a nice person and have the recognition of a few friends. So your goal was set to unreasonable or you didn't want to take the steps first to that goal. I don't know how you want to word that, but that, that, that idea of unwillingness yeah. is I think a better description. Yeah. Un- unwillingness. And, and I might add, because I, th- the, the next thing that we're going to talk about, if I'm, if I'm remember correctly, but is w- what alternative methods for coping with these things exist, right? Or what other narratives are there? And there are, I thought there were maybe a couple other common things we could. Yeah. Talk and about. we can, we're, we're, but we're headed there uh, eventually. Right. Um, but okay. I, I I think that one of if our our question is, or if the question is whether or not they're unable or unwilling, um, it might be just ignorance, right? Like that sure. that's that's a a third possible explanation. One is you know, un, and and I do believe there are people who are involuntarily celibate, right? If let's say you have some kind of like debilitating skin condition and you're the elephant man, right? And you're yes. like you are literally hideous to look upon and this is not your fault you were born this way you did not do anything but you're not owed a sexual partner and you you're still a human being but you'll and you'll have sexual desires so you are involuntarily celibate and that is tragic and very sad right um so unwilling or unable does exist that's a real category sure the vast majority of people who are in cells fall into the unwilling category right um yes you know uh that's that's the vast majority of them, but I would also argue that 
the overlapping Venn diagram between between unwilling and and ignorant is is pretty high. I don't I don't think a lot of these people know what to do. But you you mentioned um, other commonalities, like you had something in mind. So I'm curious, what were you thinking of? Yeah, well, I was thinking. I'll say one more thing about the unwilling uh, versus unable, just because uh, you made me think of it. I think I, I think part of it too is unwilling to deal with whatever your lot in life is and take it a step to approve it. Like you're skipping the steps. I think I see as part yes, of that too. Yes, as well, a right? desire to skip like, steps I am unwilling. might be the most unifying characteristic of toxic masculinity in my book. Yeah. And the reason I say, like, and so I would add that too, that, you know, you've got some sort of desire that you're unwilling and unable to achieve it. And it's because a lot of times you're wanting to skip the steps in between or just not do whatever it is. You know, it's going to be unlikely that I'll achieve my goal or something. And so therefore I will, that justifies my actions to do reprehensible things to try to achieve it. Right. Uh, The other uh, element of commonality that I would say, and we talked about this a couple of times, but just to put it on the list here for our you know, end definition that we'll arrive with it for toxic masculinity is the focus on the desires of the self alone. The I should say the the, the focus solely on selfish desires, not desires of the self, because there's nothing wrong with individuality. Right, right. But when you when when your selfish desires are the only thing you care about, um, and you don't there there is no concern for the desires needs of others or how your actions might affect them. So just supreme selfishness might be a better, more succinct way of saying it. Yeah, right? yeah. There is a there is a selfishness also that goes along with it because you know you might think well there's no way for me to achieve this and therefore I want it. But what stops you is okay. Well, you know I might do this. I will other not thing, violate the bodily autonomy but it's of bad. a woman just because my lot in life is unfortunate, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot right, of men right, that fall right. into that category. And even most incels fall into that category, right? Of, I feel terrible about this situation. But most incels sure. are not rapists, right? Uh, right. That, that's a crazy and, I, and I'm not saying that every, and I, I'm going to say something and I'm going to give a caveat first. That's not, I do not think that every single person in the world has considered raping someone or every single man. But I think pretty much every man on earth has had the experience of seeing a woman and feeling an attraction to her so intense that you're, you have a, even if it's not a conscious thought of like, oh, I'd do anything to be with her. You know, I'm such feeling such intense. I mean, that's a biological well, a, a, response, Objectification, right? like, and, and I, that's what I would yeah. call what you're talking about is objectification where you're, not, you're right. not looking at someone and seeing them. You're looking at them and you are seeing instead of a human being, just purely an object to be desired. You're not considering what, what they want or anything like that, right? I, I think, right, that, like objectification as a... Uh, uh, an event that happens to you that's called being 13 right like well sure that's what I'm, that, this is my point right we all feel it yeah that's that's universal and then we move on because we realize that's you know we're like oh okay well our next thought is well, what am i going to do to do that and you're like oh well you know she's we're sticking with high school or middle school it's like oh she's the head cheerleader and i'm you know the last dude on the chess team who's so bad they <laughs> make not, him carry all their even, clocks everywhere you're not even so chess yeah, even the other Chester, right, don't like you. And so you're like, well, there's probably no way because we don't run into yeah, the same you social circles that I have. Yeah, clarinet player. What are you doing? Right, exactly. Or or I'm the elephant man, or, or like the you elephant said, man. and probably she'll run away screaming. <laughs> and so then you just leave it at that, right? But then these other people are like, I'm so selfish that, like, I feel this desire, and this desire is now the only – it is the chief concern on yeah, planet Earth yeah. is fulfilling this desire. And there are no means which do not justify achieving yes. that end. Yes. And so supreme selfishness, and I, I would say that supreme would selfishness say is like another common part of I the narrative. I would say that is the end result mm-hmm. of toxic masculinity, but you cannot have that supreme selfishness and still be 
still have an attitude of toxic masculinity well shy of that right so it uh right i don't think that's the rape is not the standard for toxic masculinity right there are many things that happen well well shy of that i i would say that accepting objectification as perfectly fine or as normal or good um or embracing it as a permanent state is something that a lot of incels have and sure um harvey weinstein and eric harris also had but does not necessarily mean that you engage in those actions yeah right but that's also toxic masculinity is sort of yes it's it's it is solipsistic and we say i mentioned that word earlier i think it bears defining because it's not used very frequently in most circles um but solipsistic is the idea that you're the only one that exists right i think therefore i am but i don't know that you Mm -hmm. think so i don't know that you are what if you're a figment of my imagination or et cetera et cetera et cetera um so solipsism is the idea that i'm the only one that exists and so I'm using it metaphorically, right? It's not that Harvey Weinstein or or Eric Harris thought they were the only people that existed, but they did act as though only their experiences were what mattered. Um, so that's, yes. that's the idea that you, you don't have to do anything bad to have that attitude. This is true. And I think just to give an example, a less rapey example <laughs> of this kind of thing is like, if, if you're the kind of man or woman, but we're yeah. talking about men here, who's like you're watching TV with your wife, girlfriend, whatever, so anyone, any other human maybe. I mean men do this with each other and we say that it's okay and, you know, that might be a different topic of what do men do when they're by themselves that is okay and not okay. But, uh, you know, you see a woman on TV and you exclaim about how beautiful she is and go on and on about it in front of your wife. Well, why is that inappropriate? Well, because it hurts her feelings and you're also like – saying you're implying something about her as well sure. but also it's you were just objectifying this woman in front of you so i think of uh like myself when this happens it's like i don't my wife and i will bring it up occasionally but it's in like a joking way you know she'll say something about um I'm trying to think of who it was recently they she watched the greatest showman she finally got on that train and she was like it's zach efron who's like an insanely good looking person by yeah. anybody's standards. I mean, standards, like, what right? are you going to do? And I'm just like, it? yeah. You just feel bad. I'm like, that's a pretty man. But she didn't go on and on about it, about whatever. It was just like, oh, by the way, this is funny because he's so good looking, it's like not even real. And I'm like, yes. Or to continue our streak of mentioning Modern Family in every single episode, when we watch that, like the way they dress Sofia Vergara on that show, you almost like, it's like if you see a crash on the end of the road, the side of the road, like you can't look away from this woman because so much of her is hanging out of it. And I'll just comment to my wife and I'll say something like, Oh my gosh, she's going to explode out of that. Well, I'm not and we'll laugh about it. And that's kind of part of her character on the show. But if I were to sit there and be like, Oh my God, Sofia Vergara is so hot. And I can't believe, can you believe how hot she is? That's just insane. I can't imagine, you know, like now I'm objectifying someone and I'm not rapey, but I'm like, I don't care that I'm saying this in front of my wife and it's hurtful to her or that I'm objectifying this person that I don't know anything about, you know, you know, like it's that that's, we're not, but that's on the same kind of, you know, vector on that. Like it's the subjectification and I don't care about what anyone else, I'm just going to express my feelings and desires and put them out. I'm not acting on them, but I am in that same mode of thinking. So that's like, yeah, the example. Plus I just wanted to mention how attractive (laughs) Zac Efron is because I think that, (laughs) right. (laughs) I got, I get it. I mean, but yeah, I mean, that's a, no, I think, I think you raise a really good point. And and specifically, cause it right for, for you and me, like we're both married. Right. And so there are, there are things you say and things you think and things you do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this is generalizable to people who are single as well. Like if you are a single guy and your thought when you see an attractive woman is I am just going to like seeing an attractive woman is the end of it, right? I'm going to imagine you in various compromising situations, right? 
Right. That thought is not like that's that's bad, right? That's objectification. And so I think the appropriate approach to like if you're single, what I'm what we would how we would apply this is to say that when you see someone who's attractive, it should be accompanied by a desire to get to know the person because a, being attracted to someone again, totally normal, right? But you have to recognize right. that there's a humanity that comes along with that. And if you if you reduce someone down to only their physical features, then you are treating them like an object. And that's bad because that enables or justifies uh, uh, untoward behavior. And I, I say untoward behavior. Right. That's a major understatement for right a lot of different things. Um, you know, yeah. I'm, Everything from being hurtful to your wife to being super creepy to being Harvey Weinstein. Right, right. right like, or to being Eric Harris, right? That's, that's all objectification. Yeah. That, that is placing your wants and your desires and your needs above the wants, desires, and needs of other people or placing your beliefs or your your sensory experience above these beliefs and sensory experiences of other people. And that's that's bad. And that's a common element of toxic masculinity. Yeah, I definitely, I would agree with that. I just want to see how this plays in this scenario because I would think the other thing I think about culturally when we talk about toxic masculinity is this shaming or ostracizing or aggression towards you know bullying of people who don't fit in with certain definitions of masculinity because i see how what we just say play out in that idea of like well like eric harris right it's like if i'm wrong then it doesn't matter like this this disregard for your own failings i mean we see that very clearly and i feel like this is an apolitical statement, but I don't care. We see this very clearly in the current president of the United States, right? There has never been sure. anything he did that wasn't amazing and wasn't the right thing to do. And even when caught in a blatant fact that something did not work out or wasn't okay, then it's like, no, that's fine. It does, it does, It's fake news then. Or if it's not, then whatever this other person did that was bad, so it doesn't matter. So that's that same right. thing, right? Like only my stuff matters. And so I am the only – your feelings. So I did that and it was wrong. doesn't right. matter because right. I don't care about it. So why should anyone else, right? So then that – that extra aspect, like where does that fit into that, that desire to maintain the status quo? Is that just like, hey, this happens to be the status quo and people all the time are I don't, always I don't trying think to maintain I would it? Say, yeah, I don't think I would say the desire is to maintain the status quo. Or is this a part of – I mean, is that – okay. What would you call it? Because I think that's the thing, right? It's like the, the kid that comes to school dressed differently or the kid who's sure. effeminate, right, whether he's gay or not. Or the kid who's not as athletically gifted, right? So we're just going to bully others, right? That's a desire for status, and I can't get it by, you know, being myself. So yeah. I'm going to bully you and make you seem lesser. Like, I get how that fits in, I guess. But but that whole idea is, like, if you don't buy into our hierarchy, right, and men are hierarchical creatures, then we're going we're, we're gonna to act to eliminate you in some way. And, again, that might just be a – not a – symptom or a, a core value of toxic masculinity that I just I yes. see that I think a, a lot mentioned in those circles and things like bullying or the locker room kind of idea of men where it's like ah we're all going to get together we're all having fun we're buying in and if you don't buy into that then we're like mad is this a thing like well that would happen in any situation where you're the outlier in a social gathering or a social status quo or is that like a you think something unique to toxic masculinity because i feel like it's yeah, talked and, about and like that's, no, this is this that's is how toxic I, I that's how i would differentiate it because anything? i don't think it's unique to toxic I masculinity i think that people in general have a not not just a fear but a they they feel they feel revulsion when they experience something that is different and so if they have an idea of what is acceptable whether that's masculinity 
or religion or politics that when they encounter something that falls outside of that category of norm, they act with revulsion. And so within the, the framework right. of toxic masculinity, from, the, from our, our solipsistic claim about toxic masculinity, that toxic, mas- that toxic males are people who are very um, uh, arrogant and objectifying of others, right? That, uh, what's the word that you used? A much better word for it. Um, Selfish. That's the, yeah. Thanks. That's what I'm trying to find selfish? there. Uh, but these yeah. these men who are ex- exceedingly selfish, right? <laughs> the, you have to justify selfishness to a degree, and so I think part of how many of them justify it is based on because I'm a male, right? And you see this all the time with um, uh, both racists and sexists and nationalists or bigots of any kind, is that the the category that's very important for them is the category which can't be taken away from them and which they don't have to earn right um and so i don't see that as right. an ex- exclusively a male mm. problem i see it as a problem which affects men who are likely to be toxic or exhibit traits of toxic masculinity or that psyche i think it's symptomatic but I think it's a general human trait, right? Like, um, and, and like the movie Mean Girls, okay. right? Great movie. Tina Fey adapted the right, you know, wonderful. Okay, so in in this yeah. movie, girls who don't yeah. fit a a norm or a standard are bullied, right? And they are bullied in such a way that um, sure. what they like they are mocked for their difference, basically, right? And so one of the things that katie does to another girl is to give her these like bars that make her gain weight right that puts her outside the standard norm of of feminine beauty that this clique of girls adheres to okay so that's because there is an implicit value statement about your weight that if you're overweight you're less valuable or you're bad right and so making her gain weight is a good trick right ha 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 right it's the same thing in the locker room when you call someone the b word or call them the p word or say something about them being effeminate there's an assumption that women are less than only because they are different right because we you know you have xy chromosome i have xx chromosome or vice versa right whatever the case may be you know it's different (laughs) therefore it's it can be used to to denigrate and there's an interesting book by a guy um oh what's his name leonard Sachs, i think um that's all about uh the crisis that boys are going to called boys adrift and in all boys' schools, activities which are normally considered effeminate or female only lose that descriptor, right? Because women aren't seen doing them. So, like painting. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you talked about this last time right. with poetry and like feelings or whatever. Women weren't allowed to write stuff. So, writing about how much you loved no. another dude's poetry was not seen as feminine. Mm-hmm. It was just what you did because you're, you know, that's what everyone did. That's a good point. I think the. I definitely agree with you. I mean, selfishness is kind of a universal human trait too, but I know that's not, you know, there are all kinds of things that apply both ways. Yes. I think it's unique in in this this context context of seeking personal power and glory and whatever, right? Like that's, and not that women never do that, but we talked about that last time that, you know, you don't have to be a woman or a man to have masculine and feminine traits. Uh, So yeah, I think I, I would agree with that. I was just wondering about that because I think we see that a lot and we see this as not that it's not a bad thing, but it's a, I mean, Mean Girls being the perfect example, mm-hmm. right? Everyone knew someone like that or experienced that on one side of it, right? So that's a that's a good point. Yeah, I, I going back to our definition, I think I really like this. I think this is useful 
I don't know. I'm already seeing uses for this. Yeah, in my and own that life. and that's as the goal, right? As far as examining right? my own behavior, right? It's like, it, yeah, if I want to have a target to shoot for, we'll talk about that at another time. But if I'm looking for something to avoid, it's like, hey, am I pursuing something without consideration for how it's affecting others? Both, I mean, just as simple as like what? <laughs> not that my son listens to what I tell him to do very much, very much because he's 18 right. months old. He's getting better at it. Oh, slowly. that is good. He's gotten very good at saying help, please, help, please. Nice. Is strongly in the wheelhouse I'm still of his working vocabulary on that one when I'm 30, now. Um, so. He has to be reminded because, yeah, <laughs> using what co- what comes out of his mouth first is just this sort of like growl scream, and then I'm like, I that alerts me that he needs help, and then I say, buddy, oh, what do you say? And he'll look at me, and he'll say, help, please. And then I have to yes, figure out what he actually wants help with, because he doesn't know how to tell me that yet. But if I'm thinking, what am I requiring of my child to do? Am I requiring it of him because it is good for sure. him or our family or for others, you know, or I'm setting some more example? Or is it like, hey, it's not okay for you to be playing that right now because, you know, I don't feel like having to turn the volume up on the TV louder. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to yell at you for being a child and get mad at you. Right. For, and, and, you know, so that is, I'm not considering anyone else in the equation. And that's a, you know, a funny example, but I think that's a better, I mean, I feel like that probably happens a lot. Um, and we talk about male stereotypes. I mean, I think a lot of people, their dad in some ways can, or might reinforce those, um, you know, you're, you're a kid, so you've got to, mm-hmm. you know, do this, you know, boys play ball. So you better play ball. And if you don't like it, then you can't do it. Or, or you can't like that color because it's, you know, and what's your concern there? Your concern right. isn't with your child's needs or wants. It's your own insecurity, your own idea of something. So I don't, I, I find that definition very useful. I think yeah. still, just on the face examination of it, which I think means it probably has some validity if it immediately seems like it applies. Am I trying to skip steps, yeah. right? Am I trying to get something that I don't deserve because I want it? And in doing so, am I minimizing other mm-hmm. people's needs, right, or or their humanity? I think that's a good heuristic, and I think that toxic yeah. masculinity tends to violate both of those things at every single turn, um, if not in action, at least in philosophy. And and your actions are downstream from your beliefs, right? What you believe is going to influence what you do. I think that is Absolutely. a useful definition. Although we are, I think we're also straining Definitely. the generosity of our handful of listener listeners so i think we should probably go ahead and wrap it up do you have any concluding thoughts here no i i i don't have anything to add i should say i do have a concluding thought which is that i appreciate breaking it down to this and we alluded to this before because i i I dislike when we talked about our discomfort with the term i dislike something that seems like it can catch anything you don't like Right, and to have an actual working definition of it is not only useful for then looking for the opposite. And we talked about that as well. That you know, toxic masculinity implies yes. that there's just regular masculinity that isn't toxic, right? Um, we can go for that. But yeah, I think this is a good starting place for moving on to then what right. is the counter narrative to that? Then what's what, what's a more valuable? Um, yeah, and we'll know, have more that on that next week because next I'm actually I'm so excited about next week's episode. Do you remember what we we talked about doing? Okay, do you I, wanna, yes. You want to tell the good people well. about it? I've been putting more thought into it than I've. Yeah, so we're gonna talk about non-toxic masculinity, which I should stop saying and just say masculinity because that's better. Uh, we're gonna talk about our favorite um, exemplars of good strong masculinity and you know I, they may end up being mostly fathers i don't know yes. that they will but just good male role models and people who model these kind of 
things, and then from there try right. to define. Kind of like we did with this, where we took negative examples. We're it's so much. I'm so examples. excited. And that's I've just been, way more fun. I've been thinking right? about it all week. Yeah, I'm so excited. But we'll get there. Okay, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been TDNG, two dads named Grant. I'm Grant Vickery. And I'm Grant Overman. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks.